to go. All right. Here we go. Another episode of Grinds My Gears. And we have the wonderful Belinda Carajalios. Thank you for joining me today. I had to practice that like a million times to get my last name right. You did it really well, actually. <laughs> Thank you. So, I, I'm not. I'm not in. I'm not in, in the media. So I was like, I'm driving in the car. Time like Carl Hollywood. Right, say it properly, Ashton. You only got one time. <laughs> well done. Well done. No, it's a. It's a. It's a phonetically correct last name, but it's it's not my maiden name. So even after we Jim and I got married, it was like I would be signing my name and then like spelling it out as I'm signing it. it looked like I was forging something every time. It was just. But you get used to it. It's yeah, you get used to it. <laughs> uh anyway ha, ha, thank you for joining me today and um i just want to s first of all start out by saying thank you for everything that you've done for for everybody in the province so far it's it's not it's not said enough because first of all many people don't recognize what you sacrificed and you did uh but i do so i just wanted to say thank you for that thank uh, you and uh i wanted to start today uh well because it's a podcast and I'm, I'm not like in the media and it's not political and all that kind of stuff. I wanted to start by kind of just talking about the new blue party a little bit. Yeah. Um, now, many people don't even like when I mentioned it to them at this coming up election, they kind of just gave blank stare. So like, what? Who? Uh, they didn't really know um, what it was about. And, you know, can you just kind of briefly kind of summarize like how you kind of it started and you and Jim brought it to life for you. Guys. Yeah. I, I don't know how brief I can be, but I will try my best. So um, we've been involved in politics for a fairly long time, you know, with volunteering, you know, working on policy, things like that. More so Jim, he was kind of into that nitty gritty. Um, whereas I was more into the volunteering stuff uh, in 2018. Um, there was the Patrick Brown as a leader of the provincial conservative. So the PC party of Ontario, and there was some stuff going on with like shady nominations. It's all legit, all in the news. So you can yeah. read about that. Yeah. I have. Uh, yeah. And then, uh, so then there was a leadership, right? Yeah. And Doug Ford came out and he sounded great. And we were like, hey, maybe the party isn't dead after all. So um, I had faith, I had hope. And I threw my hat in the ring to run in Cambridge. Um, and this is a shortened version because there's like yeah. more stuff about. Yeah, we'll, we'll, talk, we'll talk about all of that more, yeah. but like, I just want like the shortened version of how you guys came so, to be, right? I got in, I, uh, and then COVID happened in 2020 because I won the election in 2018 with the PCs. Uh, COVID happened in 2020. I started asking questions. Yeah. Uh, I was the parliamentary assistant to the Solicitor General, who was the um, minister responsible for Bill 195, the Reopening Ontario Act, that horrible piece of legislation that gave the PCs the power to do whatever they wanted without any vote, without any debate. Yeah. Uh, so I voted against it. Yeah. And because I did that, uh, they kicked me out of the party. Um, and so, you know, you're, it was, it was surprising. Um, and we took a step back and Jim was like, well, what do you want to do? Right. And I said, well, I'm not stepping down. Like I'm going to continue my term. I owe that to the people of Cambridge. Uh, and I know that we needed a strong voice in the legislature to speak up against these things because nobody else was saying anything about it. Yeah. Um, so people started reaching out um, all across the province saying, like, you got to start a party. Like, we do not have a, a real conservative option in this province anymore. So we did. So we registered the name. It got approved. Uh, then we got um, we got we got the signatures. And I mean, and there you that, go. That's kind of how it started. So it was born. That's the short, the shortened version. We'll get into yeah. some more of the intricacies later, but uh, I wanted to kind of get into like, you know, what is it like 
working with your husband because like i like i have a, a bit a business and like sometimes i like i'm so busy i ask my wife to do stuff and she's like, oh, i don't want like what is it like what is the dynamic like just having started this and just being with jim and having to do things with him all day every day to get things going like is there sometimes a button heads that goes on with that, that's a fabulous question and I've never been asked that before, and I'm loving that you asked that. So thank Cause you. Because I'm not the media. We ask real, we talk it's, about real, real stuff. Yeah. And you know, it's like it's such a fine balance, right? Yeah. And I think anyone who works with their spouse, their husband, or their wife knows, like, it is a fine balance because it's like, where does work end and life begin, right? Like they just kind of overlap all the time. Um, the thing is with with, with politics, especially because politics is so entwined in our everyday lives and most people don't realize that but it is like education yeah. healthcare, like it, it's there all the time and i find it really interesting and he finds it really interesting and we're able to because i look at things very differently than jim does jim is very analytical like yeah. he he's got that law mind right he's a lawyer by by trade um and so we we discuss things differently and i learn a lot from him and he learns from me and it, it works out well I'm not saying it's perfect all the time because <laughs> lying, right? Like that's just yeah. not possible, but we make it work. Um, and I love working with him in this capacity because, you know, when you're in the nitty gritty of politics, it's like a whole different world. Well, it, really, truly. It, it's like, like I never really, when I started my part, cause I'm a professional fighter and athlete. So like, it was like, when I started doing stuff like this, I was like, okay, I just wanted to talk about sports. I never really thought politics would came in, but then COVID hit and then, you know, <laughs> The whole world changed and i'm like okay we have this is something that needs to be talked about like it's stressful to me right like as a regular person like i can go a week or two or three and you know i like i just spoke to maxime not too long ago and, ago and melissa lansman and like like i'm stressed out after those conversations right so like <clears throat> how do you guys go about that balance like where you're at home and you're like eating dinner and then you're like okay jim shut up about it like let's eat dinner so I think it's more me because like I wake up and the first thing I do is I read my my like little news thing that I get in the email. It's like the first thing I do when I'm drinking my tea in the morning and I'm reading that. And like it, it just happens throughout the day, like because I subscribe to emails. And so you're, you're constantly digesting this throughout the day. You go on social media, the people that I follow, the hashtags I follow. It's it's all by and large political. Yeah. Um, there are days where it's just like enough. Like I just can't anymore enough. And so those days I just shut it down and I'll put on some music and I won't look at social media because um, I've learned to create boundaries when it comes to that stuff because yeah. there are times where you could feel really hopeless um, and you don't want to get down that rabbit hole, right? Well, it's especially in the position that you guys were put in throughout the whole time. It was not like it's rosy for you guys. You guys were pretty much being attacked for the last two, three years, right? So it's yeah. not like it's not like you're turning it on and they're like, yay, Belinda. It's like she does this again, this crazy lady, this far right. You know what I mean? It's Oh, yeah. No, I get it. Like it was um, I, I I mean, I think that everything that we were saying as a party and as myself when I was the MPP was very reasonable, right? Like, yeah. hey, if you don't want the vaccine, don't, don't get it. it. Yeah. You shouldn't lose your job for it, certainly. Uh, and if you want it, it should be available and you should get it. Like, to me, that's very reasonable. And people were like, you're an anti-vaxxer. And I'm like, how am I an anti-vaxxer? Like, it was very much like, you should be able to choose what's right for you and your body and your family. Yeah. I, I wasn't, I mean, it was it was very bizarre. It was like the twilight zone sometimes. Yeah, and 
Now you have a family too. You're not just a. Uh, you guys aren't just politicians. You have a son as well, right? Yeah. So yeah. like, um, how do you, like I and I know this for a fact because other politicians have a terrible home life balance and and you know sometimes you run into their kids and you're like, well, you know. Long story short, my dad sucks. You know what I mean? How do you <laughs> how do you guys? About like like for example like look at Doug Ford's daughter super vocal about yeah. how terrible her dad is right um how do you kind of you know he's young how do you kind of screen him from some of that and how do you guys kind of you know yeah make him realize that that's what you guys do but you know if people are talking bad about mom and dad it's not like you know don't take it personally right so it's funny because like you know growing up a lot of people say don't talk religion and politics. Yeah. Um. I I would throw in don't throw in don't talk diet stuff either because people get really like no paleo is better than whole thirty and well, I, I do that all the time. I'm in health and fitness. I don't care. Yeah. Right. So people are like yeah. they treat it like a religion. Right. I I totally get it. Um. Now I grew up in a family. My parents are immigrants. My mom came from Portugal. My dad is Trinidadian, and we always talked politics. Right. Yeah. So I'm used to that conversation. So with our little guy, he's only six. Yeah. He's exposed to those conversations occasionally. I we do try to shelter him because it can be very heavy the conversations. Yeah. Um, but like when I was the MPP, I would include him when I was going to events, if it was family friendly, just bring him along for the parades and, you know, for what other, uh, uh, any other things that there were there that I could bring him, I would bring him. Okay. Uh, I didn't want to just keep him at home or with a sitter. I wanted to include him as much as I could. And because it was such a busy job, um, like I was up at five, leaving the house at like six, not home until nine o'clock at night, yeah. you know, I'm reading legislation. It was weekends. Sometimes it was, it was pretty nuts. Um, and so I would try to you know, make family time as much as I can. He was still doing extracurriculars where we could fit it in. Yeah. Um, and if I wasn't able to be with him, Jim was with him. So I hope, I, I hope that he didn't ever feel like he was lacking or missing. Yeah. Um, we're certainly making up for any of that now because, you know, I didn't win the election in June 2nd for re-election. So we are having some family time now, which is lovely. Yeah. But I think it's important to include your little ones. And just to be honest, right? Like um, politics is a huge part of life. And especially as and I think it will be for the next five, five to 10 years, especially because of how drastic the world has changed due to this situation. Sure. Right. People uh, are awake. Right. A lot yeah. of people who didn't pay attention to politics are now like, oh, hey, I should probably pay attention. Yeah. Uh, and that doesn't go away quickly because once you are like plugged in to that, it's really hard to unplug. Now, did you guys find that uh, with the election, which you did really well, by the way, so great job. Um, it's very understated because of how statistics are being spread in the media and in the news. But for the first election, you guys did incredibly well. Um, so congratulations on that. Now, we didn't get any seats. No. Uh, but like other starting up parties, that, that all takes time. Um, did you guys find that a lot of your voting base came from new voters or first time voters? It was a real mishmash. So it was, um, and keep in mind, this is like people that I've met when I was uh, working as an MPP and then just like party stuff. So like our base was um, disenchanted PC voters who saw the truth, which is that the PC party is actually just another wing of the liberal party. Yep. Uh, there were some liberals. I had a lot of people who were former liberals helping out. Uh, some NDPers, the ones who felt like, you know, the NDP claimed to be the party for the workers. Yep. And when workers were getting let, let go, um they were like well where were you guys so and we were there so we had a lot of ndp a couple of greens and then a lot of people who were just um apathetic like that didn't vote ever um they just wanted they just knew that it was time to kind of step up and that it was time because change and change happens slowly 
Um, and this was, this was, this was great. Like, I mean, yes, like you said, we didn't get any seats. However, we'd only been around for a year and a half. I'm a one-term MP MPP. Like we did, it was a fairly large splash uh, considering the tight time constraints we had. And Jim was sick and, and dealing with cancer and chemotherapy during a, a large chunk of that development time of the party as well. So the fact that we ran a full slate of candidates, 124, um, even the liberals didn't run a full slate, right? Like that was a, that in itself is huge. And, and people don't, if again, if you're not in the nitty gritty, which I totally get that most people aren't, yeah. it's a lot of work. And I remember speaking to Mike Schreiner, the leader of the Green Party, because um, we sat on the same side of the house. Yeah. And he had even said, he was like, like, that's a lot of work, Belinda. Like, I don't know how you guys did it. And, you know, when you're in it, you don't, you don't really think about the work. And then when you look back, you're like, oh my gosh. Yeah, you, just... you guys did a lot. And I think it's also the other part that people need to consider is that it was the lowest voter turnout and you guys still did that well. Yeah. So that, that should show that there was that there is a, a future for you guys and that it, people should start paying attention to the message that you're showing because when you have the lowest voter turnout in Ontario history, I believe that that's the, the case and you still pull in, you know, 2% plus of the vote, mm. uh, which would have been bigger if it wasn't for some of the other uh, people that uh, was around, which we can get into later. But, um, it's it's still a big deal so i think that that's very understated and i think that it's going to make it's going to bring some sort of fear into the other establishment parties uh they it, like the ppc like some of the other uh parties that have started up and you know it's it, it, it means that you have to pay attention to you guys now do you agree with that i agree with that i think you're bang on there i really do and like that lower the lowest voter turnout in ontario history yeah. like I mean, and it speaks volumes. So I wanted to get into like, uh, like how this even started, like we were talking about before, where you stood out against the lockdown bill. Thank you for that. Um, and they kicked you out of the caucus. Now, was that a surprise to you or was it like, did you kind of know that it was coming? So it's interesting. Like, I don't know how many, how much details you want, but like, so basically, uh, give so, me whatever we're just trying to chat. We're so, just chatting. Um, the Solicitor General, who at the time was Sylvia Jones, he's yeah. she's now the health minister. Um, that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to keep my comments to myself. <laughs> so uh, she's now the health minister. So at the time, she's the Solicitor General, and I was her parliamentary assistant. Um, and so, you know, the thing is, I read everything. Like, I, I like legislation. I am not a lawyer. Uh, that's not my educational background. Yeah. Um, but I, you know, I take things very seriously. So when you... When, when the people of Cambridge elect me and they're like, your job is to to help in the constituency and read bills, guess what I'm going to do? Gonna I do work it. in the constituency and read my bills. So um, I would read every bill that goes on, get, gets on the table. So when I found out that the ministry I was working under was tabling this bill um, and I didn't get to read it before it was tabled, like that in itself is kind of like, well, why, why wouldn't it? Right? Right. Yeah. Right. So then we get this, I get the bill. I read it. It's a fairly short bill. I'm cross-referencing it. And I'm just like, now this doesn't sound right. Like this bill wants to take away my job and every other MPP's job to vote and to debate and just let Doug Ford and his ministers make all these executive decisions yeah. that are going to, that's going to affect every single Ontarian in the province. I'm like, that, that's not democracy. So like I give the bill to Jim and cause he's a lawyer and I'm yeah. like, can you read this? Cause like, 
I must be tired. Like this can't be right. And he's like, oh, you know, let me read it. Let me read it. And he's like, holy crap. Like, yeah, this is, this is a really bad bill. And I'm thinking, I can't vote for this. I can't vote for this. And that was like, your, that was your conscience speaking there, right? It wasn't, 100%. it wasn't like you having some sort of vengeance against the party. It was just no. like consciously you're like, you know, in good human faith that this is yeah. not something that I can vote for. It's because it's a scary thought, right? I'm like, no one, not one human being on this planet is a hundred percent good. Nobody is like, no. we can't say that. Um, and so I, I remember speaking to, to the solicitor general and I was like, you know, like, can we amend the bill? Like just try and put some. And, and explaining my con concerns and she's like oh just trust us and i was like just trust you man if the ndp or the the liberals put this bill through you guys would be like tearing your hair out like it's a bad bill oh just trust us okay okay so um i'm not trying to talk to the premier he's ignoring me won't pick up my phone calls won't return my calls i'm calling the staff i'm calling the house leader's office no one is like connecting with me because now he can say, well, I don't know how she felt. Right. Yeah, so I'm yeah, like, I'm, I'm telling a staff too. I'm like, Hey, so-and-so like, I, I, I need to talk to him about this bill. It's not a good bill. So like anything that came out in the news where he's like, I had no idea. I was surprised. Is a load of baloney. Well, it's plausible deniability. It's like politics right. 101. I'm not even a politician. I know that you just, oh. did, you just deny it. Even someone even said, I didn't hear that. I didn't well, see that. I don't know. Yeah. And it's just like, I, I, I don't know. Like it just, it drives me crazy. So the day comes, right? And so just to paint the picture, so you've got your legislative chambers and you've got um, like, it's like a picture of a rectangle and on either side there's seats, right? And it's the, the government is on one side and the opposition and independents are on the other side. Yep. And then outside of the chamber is these uh, like lobbies, right? Okay. And so usually how we vote is when it's a recorded vote, which means it goes in the official hands or transcript, They'll say, um, you, you stand up when, when you're ready to vote for yay or nay, and they'll call you, you know, Mr. Mamakwa, Mr. So-and-so, Mrs. Yeah. Carhalios, and you sit down when your name is called. That's how we were doing it. But because of COVID, um, they were like, no, you have to vote in the lobby. So what that meant was that you lined up outside the lobbies, you walked in, the clerk recorded your vote, and then you walked out. And so they had a yay lobby and a nay lobby. So all the votes are whipped. And what that means, the PC party, you think that your MPP is voting the way he or she wants or the way you want them to vote. No, they're voting the way the leader wants them to vote. Yeah, yeah, and that's yeah. a whole other kettle of fish that I could get into because that's just like, that's that's a joke in itself. It's even evident in the federal uh, space right now, like that, which is so disgusting, but that, that's, a, not, that's another 10 hour discussion. Of it totally is. Yeah, and that yeah. drives me crazy because like you know what when i campaigned in 2018 with with ford and the pcs he was like free votes and i was like yes we need free votes like yeah. i get that you have to vote in favor of the budget if you're in the government I totally fine yeah. but like other things things of conscience anyway so there were no free votes i can tell you that right now from when i started in 2018 to when they kicked me out in july of 2020 um the only vote i got to vote free is the uh, pitbull ban oh, um wow. it was the only one i got to vote on on my own without being told how to vote and without being threatened with punishment let's be honest nobody cares about that law no one right well there were a couple people but like it wasn't like you know groundbreaking it wasn't like this right it wasn't oh, like yeah. bill 195. so you know the uh we've got this new way of voting it's uh it's the middle of july we're in for the summer session and i'm sitting in one of my colleagues offices i won't say who and um she knows that i'm not comfortable and there's a handful of them that know that I'm not comfortable. And they're like, Belinda, you, you just got to vote for it. Like, just plug your nose and vote. And I'm like, I can't do this. I can't look at my volunteers and my supporters in the face and say, 
that I'm okay with this because I don't know what they're going to do. None of us know what they're going to do. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and one particular person who started speaking out after I got kicked out, cause I was the first one to speak out against this. Yeah. One particular person was like, you know, you're not just going to lose your parliamentary assistant role. You're going to get kicked out of the party. And I'm like, so what man? Like they can't fire me. Like all they can do is kick me out of the party. So, you know, we had a half hour to vote and I waited until three minutes till the bell stopped ringing and they're calling my phone. Like, where is she? Why isn't she voting? So I, I go downstairs to the second floor, um, kind of like a James Bond. I'm looking around to see if they're looking for me and I walk in and the clerk is surprised to see me because the clerks know what's going on. They know everything's whipped. And they're like, are, are you in the right lobby? I'm like, yeah. And she's like, Oh, he said it was he, he's like, okay. And he marks me off as an, an A and I am so like, I hightail it out of there. Like yeah. just like so fast in my high heels, I'm out of there, get my keys, get in the car. And I'm like heading back to Cambridge. I'm like, because I know what's coming next. You know Something's going to happen. You know, what's coming. You don't want to be there. You don't yeah. want that fallout. Right. So uh, I got 680 news on. Cause I always do that for my traffic updates. <laughs> um, when I'm leaving Toronto and my phone is ringing and it's like someone from the premier's office. I'm like, Nope, not touching that. Yeah. And then Jim calls and he, I'm like, Hey, and he's like, you okay. I'm like, yeah. Meanwhile, I've like sweat through my blazer. Like I've like, <laughs> there was so much anxiety, yeah. but like, I knew I did the right thing. Like, cause like, I knew I did the right thing. And he's like, did you hear, did, are you okay? I'm like, yeah, I'm fine. And he's like, did you hear? And I'm like, hear what? And he's like, you got kicked out of the party. I'm like, what? So like, I didn't know. So Jim yeah. told me. And, um, so I got home and it was like, it was, it was weird. Like it was just like, and like a, a couple of the mainstream media, they reached out, but by and large, they kind of wanted to bury this because what I ended up doing was like, it brought attention to the bill because most yeah. bills that pass in the legislature, people don't really pay attention to. No, they, really they don't like regular people don't have the oh. time to sit there and scrutinize. And, and that's why uh, Trudeau gets away with what he gets with away with. He squeaks things through when people are sleeping he, and yep. does all that kind of shady crap. Yep. And, and, but at the, by and large, like people are getting up, they're going to work. They don't have the time to sit there and scrutinize the bills. They rely exactly. on the elected officials. And that's what you guys are paying me to do. Exactly. Right? And, what, and what people are starting to slowly realize now, and like I said, this to Max as well, is like, there's a massive distrust in the political establishment now. And yeah. it, it wasn't there before because people weren't paying attention. Right. So they, they tended to trust, like I tended to trust whoever I voted for and whoever was in there. Now I'm like, okay, I pretty much you're you're guilty until proven innocent in terms of a politician at this point in the public size because, yeah. uh, like you said, everything is basically you're not you're not voting. There's no voting on these things. It's it's like whoever the leader is, it's that's what they say goes right. Which is awful because that's not democracy, not right? Democracy, and no. then we have. All these political parties and Trudeau and all these other, we're in this for democracy. We're all about democracy. Well, we'll look at the structure that we have in our in our own province and our provinces in our own country. Like you're out there, like begging for Ukraine's democracy when we don't even have it here. No. And and that's why it's important that you did what you did and and like you and Baber and a, a, a couple others like really like i don't think people understand like you literally put your your family's livelihood your, your living those kind of things at risk by doing yeah. what you did yeah it really puts you out there right yeah and the one the one thing i wanted to kind of ask i don't really want you to say names because i don't think you should but um 
Were there others that at the time when that was happening wanted to vote against it, but for lack of a better term, they were too chicken shit to do it? Yeah, totally. Totally. There was at least 10 that were like, they agreed that the bill was bad, but they were too afraid to lose their spot in the PC caucus. In the regular world with regular folks, we call those chicken shits. Like they need to, like, they need to take a hard look in the mirror and realize, yeah, I have no integrity. Because like I tell some people that I train with, like martial arts is like, or like even when this fax mandate was going in, um, I don't. I'm in a different position because I have my own business. I yeah. Nobody can tell me what to do. Where I had grown ass men calling me crying, being like, Ashton, I don't want to do this. My work is doing this, but I I have to because I can't lose this job. I'm having a kid, and they're crying, and they and they they can't, like putting people in that position, right? And then to have. And what a basic, sorry, I'm losing my train of thought, but what no. basically, basically what I was telling them is like, at the end of the day, you got to look in the mirror and you have to be happy with the person staring back at you. So I, I like, this is the message that we need to put to those, those people who did it vote against it, that should, that, that spoke to you that, you know, the person looking back at you in the mirror right now, is someone without integrity. And I think that we need to start exposing those people and yeah. they, need to, they need to be held accountable for their lack of integrity because politics, you have to have integrity. And also I wish voters would um, not be so afraid of, of, of following this, this myth of splitting the vote. Cause I did hear that when I was door knocking and what they did was they gave Doug Ford a pass. So anytime you voted for the PC, like if you truly believed in the PC party, okay, that's fine. But if you were like, well, I'm only voting because I don't want the liberals to get in or whatever that is, you know, you gave him a pass. You said what he did over the last two years was okay. And those people that did who obeyed their leader and not the people they are paid to represent, they they were rewarded with another four years. Uh, And I heard Jim talk about this. A lot of other uh, politicians talked about it, but like, you know, splitting the vote. I don't even think that's a thing. I think it's a, it's a, it's a narrative made by the mainstream media to kind of detract people from voting for the the legacy parties that have been around for you know exactly. forever. Uh, because the way I view voting is, I'm I'm typically a conservative minded individual, but I'm not married to the conservative party. Mm-hmm. Right. I i i'm open i openly say i haven't voted for them in the last federal i hadn't voted for them in the last provincial i did previously but i vote upon values right and so i and i think that if canadians voted according to their values instead of who they liked or whether it's a popularity contest or if he's cute or not or whatever the case it is great exactly well like my wife she's in the in the hair industry and Years ago, when Trudeau first ran, people voted for him because he had good hair. Ugh, I wonder how many more votes I could have picked up with my hair. Like, geez, <laughs> come on, people. Yeah, but like, the, that's the the myth of splitting the vote is is not there. If you vote upon your values, you would actually see a bigger de- split and divide of vote yeah. in, in this country, right? Because, yeah. uh, what I wanted to kind of get to you guys is is or ask you and and Jim is like. This narrative that's been painted about like far right, like the new blue party is a far right um, party. Now, we, like that piece that uh, was it City TV did and they brought in the LGBTQ, SQRP, whatever other friggin adjectives they have in that shit. I don't care. It's my show. I can say that stuff. Uh, they brought in that person to deliberately 
discredit you guys and talk as if you guys were some bigots, some anti-gay people, like your party has some like, oh, if this party gets in, we won't be able to get married anymore. We won't be able to have gay rights, right? How do you guys kind of break that narrative? Because like I said, like, like you said, like the mainstream media doesn't cover you. So it's hard to kind of put it out there and kind of show people that, you know, that that's bullshit, right? Yeah. And it's, it's funny because door knocking, it was like, there were people who actually read our, our blueprint and looked at my debates and they're like, clearly when you read those things or, or watch my videos, you're like, yeah, they're not far right. They're just normal people who have ideas and how to make things better. Um, and you know, we're, we're very anti-discrimination clearly. Um, and then there were others that I'd knock on their door and this one woman was like, oh, you're that far right party. Like she literally said that. And, like, and I, I stopped and I'm like, well, what do you mean? And she's like, well, I heard in the news. I'm like, what'd you hear? Right. And you just keep asking questions. And she's yeah. like, well, I heard that you, um, you guys are racist. And I'm like, my dad's part black. And she's <laughs> like, oh, and I'm like, what, what makes us racist? And she goes, bill 67. And I'm like, you know what bill 67 is about, right? So I broke it down for her and she's like, oh, so she took a step back and she's like, well, what about like the, uh, the, the anti-vaccine stuff. I'm like, why am I anti-vaccine? And then she started to talk about how, uh, she heard that I was telling people not to get vaccinated. I'm like, I've never said that. And so then I had to break it down again. And so there are people who, like you said, who will watch the mainstream media and just like eat it for breakfast. They believe every word of it. But when you actually talk to these people and they realize that you are a reasonable human being who have reasons for the arguments that you're making, then they take a step back and I don't think she voted for me, yeah. um, but it definitely, you could see like her facial expression and her body language completely changed after we spoke, yeah. but it's just, it's incredible. And like, they always, like you said, they get certain people from certain, um, I don't want to call it communities because it sounds like we're segregating people again, but like yeah. someone who, who is from that, uh, from the LG. Let's call it what it is, a woke person. Right. So they get some from the woke left. Right. And, and to say like, let's, let's paint them a certain light. And it's just, it's, it's really, it's really ridiculous. And they're really stretching. Right. Like, yeah. I mean, I, I, I've always been, the, I'm like, I don't care what you look like. I, I don't care about any of those things. Um, if you're a good person, uh, then you're a good person. If you're a jerk, you're a jerk. Right. Like I'm not going to treat you a certain way because you look a certain way. That's just not the way. I've been What's right. the new blue strategy in terms of uh, breaking that? kind of picture like other than just simply knocking on doors and talking to millions of Ontarians because that's obviously not feasible no. um but how do, so how do you guys kind of break that narrative uh like uh through thing means like this or like what are you guys going to be doing in the next couple of years while you're getting ready for the next election so in person really is always the best right it always 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 and i think word of mouth is helpful too like regular everyday folks um, that are just like, talking like, Hey, have you heard about the new blue party of Ontario? And did you hear about what, you know, Belinda did when she was elected and, and that helps, but you know, this last election, um, not only was Jim not able to participate in the debates, which would have helped tremendously. Yeah. Uh, we, we had, you know, we had 124 candidates. We had a member sitting in the legislature. Um, but he, they said that he wasn't eligible. We weren't eligible rather, uh, yet the liberals didn't have 124 candidates. What's the criteria? It was a full uh, a candidate in every riding, which we had, yeah. and a member in the legislature, which we had, which was me. Yeah. And uh, the liberals only had 121 candidates. And yet we were denied uh, because they said, well, she wasn't elected as a new blue. She was elected as a PC. Well, then, okay, then why did you let the liberals participate? Yes. Yeah, so so, like, they didn't they, have a full slate, right? If they didn't have a full slate. So they bent the rules for the liberals, but they wouldn't. So it just it's it's interesting to watch that. So that was that was challenging. 
Um, and then in some of the our radio ads, some stations wouldn't play our radio ads uh, for whatever reason. Um, and then we had like paper parties that were set up to try to distract from us. Like we would have done so much better if, um, if you know, Derek Sloan didn't decide he wanted to all of a sudden leave, come back to Ontario from Alberta and then stop his federal party and then start a, you know, provincial party. Like it was just such, again, people who really looked into it saw the writing on the wall and it, you could see that it was just like a distraction. Yeah. Uh, and because we were picking up a lot of steam. And people were looking for something else and we would have done a lot better. Uh, but again, it was only a year and a half. Uh, and of that, maybe six months of it was when we were really hitting the pavement hard because Jim uh, finished his chemotherapy. And it's going to be continuing to, to do the tours and meeting with people and doing the social media and the emails and things like this with you. Like it, it's it's going to be a lot of work for the next four years. And that's okay because, you know, that's... You guys are up for it, for right? Yeah, for it. But um, the one thing I, I've asked this to a couple other people in, in in your guys' positions, how many politicians uh, actually talk to their constituents? Um, that's that's a, I don't know. Like, it, there are those who speak to the ones who they know are friendly to them. Yeah. Um, that that there are those who are very very engaged. Um, and I I know ones who are engaged who are from all different parties. Like, uh parties that I don't necessarily agree with a lot of their policies. Yeah. Um, but so a lot of a lot of them are very complacent. And what I mean by that is you've got some politicians who have been there for decades um, and they're safe because you could literally run your dog as a PC candidate and the dog would win. Like these people, the, the writings, they just vote PC all the time. And so when you get individuals like that, I'm not saying all of them, yeah. but so they don't have to try as hard. Yeah, so, so because they don't, they just they just kind of roll with the punches and they're, they're just there. Right? Well, as long as they make their leader happy and to make sure that they don't get kicked out of the party like I did, yeah, and then that's all they have to worry about because they will always get their seat. Um, but I never like, yeah, it's great being part of a, a big party because there's like, um, you know, there's there's more, uh, like there, there there's certain like funding, right? Like you have a bigger a bigger machine behind you to help you do things. But at the end of the day, like my constituents were number one. They elected yeah. me. They gave me the job. They uh, expect had expectations of me, and I I took that job very seriously. So it made it for a much busier job. Yeah. But I can look at myself in the mirror and say, yeah, I did. I did what I was told to do, like by the people of Cambridge. Yeah, and and I think that the, the one thing I wanted to touch on too is when um when they kicked you out of the chamber for the Vax Pass thing, because. To me, as somebody looking in on that, like, it's so despicable for even, like, like it's so petty. Like, despicable is one word, but petty, it's so petty. And then the part that bugged me the most about that whole situation was you have this room full of other people, other human beings, and not one of them had the balls or the cojones to even, like, say, hey, man, like, shut up. Like, we're here to discuss like she, yeah she's not she's like this is months and months after this thing has begun we know that like we know this we know the virus like you're not going to just catch it you've you've presented your negative test you walked in there you didn't have covid no and it was so petty was... and not one person stood up on your behalf and had any sort of like for i don't have any other term balls right 
whether male, female, or whatever the other pronouns they have, I don't know. Uh, no one had any ball. How did that make you feel? Like as a, just as a person, not forget the politics aside. Yeah, right? it was funny because like I knew a battle was coming, right? Like, yeah. so I had got COVID because I I refused to disclose my vaccination status. So let's start with that. I refused. Yeah. I was like, I am not playing this game because me being vaccinated or not doesn't make a difference, no. right? It doesn't make a difference. So I'm like, I'm not playing the game. I'm not. And so they're like, and they kept trying to get it from me. Well, but are you, are you vaccinated? I'm like, I'm not telling you. I will I, if you need me to test to do my job. Yeah. I will test to do my job. So I was getting the test and they made it so that way I couldn't even do an at-home test. I had to go to the pharmacy and, and he had, he, he, the pharmacist is the male, so he had to do it. Yeah. And um, I remember I had worked really late the Tuesday night. Um, and so I got it done. I think it was a Tuesday after work because I had a, a question the next day uh, at question period. So he goes, he does a swab and I'm feeling fine. I have a backache, but I, I've been trying to do handstands because yeah. I don't know why I, it's good for you, right? Yeah, so like, you're just, just wanna. It's fun. You look, you look cool. Yeah. I'm supposed on the internet. You look even better, right? Yeah. So I'm like, okay, so maybe I overdid it, right? I'm like, I, my back hurts because I'm old and I overdid it with the hand. <laughs> so um, he calls me back. He's like, Belinda to the pharmacy, and I'm like, oh, that's weird. And he's like, I want to test again. And I'm like, sure, what's up? He's like, it came back positive, but you look fine. And I'm like, I feel fine. He checks, no, no fever. He's like, okay, let me do it again. I'm like, okay, he does it again. And so like, I'm nervous because I'm a like, crap. If I test positive, like I, I, because the pharmacist is doing it, he has to report to public health and I have to get the PCR and I have to skip work for two weeks, blah, blah, blah. So I'm like, oh my gosh, this comes back positive again. And he's like, I got to send this into public health. I'm like, I know, like, I'm not going to ask you to not like lie about your job. Of course not. Yeah. He's like, you got to go get a PCR test. I'm like, crap. So I go home and I tell Jim, I'm like, oh, I tested positive for COVID. He's like, are you joking? I'm like, no, I seriously tested positive. Yeah. So um, I go for my PC. I, I, I'm smart. Like I, I don't keep my kid, our kid home from school. You know, we, we just stay home because we don't need any of that. Right. We don't need yeah. anyone being like, Hey, she tested positive. She's that farm boy. Do shopping. Yeah. yeah. So, um, and I felt like kind of crappy that night, but like nothing crazy. Like I, I got H1N1 back in 09. And like, that was like way worse than COVID for me. Yeah. Um, so anyways, go for the PC on Friday. It was horrible. Like she just jammed it up there. It was awful. And she's like, well, you're asthmatic. So, you know, if you had COVID, you'd probably be in the hospital. She's like, those, those uh, antigen tests are, you, you, they can be wrong. And I'm like, okay, right. Thinking, yeah. okay, I'm probably fine. So then Saturday, the doctor calls and he's like, you have COVID-19 and you need to isolate and public health is going to call you, man. Did they call? They called like three times. I was on the phone for like an hour with them. And they're like, you know, can your husband, does your husband want to use the quarantine hotel? Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, what? And That's then the she goes, question ever. I'm like, what? no and then she's like well can you sleep somewhere else i'm like yeah she's like can your kid sleep somewhere else i'm like no like kid, he's attached to me practically yeah. and then she goes the nurse says um do you um you know maybe you shouldn't make meals your husband can make the meals and i'm like wait a second what does that have oh. to do with covid no but I guess actually she's like i'm like so you want me to like stay in bed and let my husband cook meals all day and she's like yeah i'm like this is great yeah. <laughs> So anyway, she didn't appreciate my, my sense of humor yeah. anyway. So two weeks quarantine <laughs> fine. Jim ended up getting it. He did the monoclonal antibody therapies cause he had uh, chemotherapy before. So his body was a little weak. Yeah. My little guy got it. It lasted like all of 10 hours. It was like nothing. So I was, I was good. Like I, you know, and then, so they still want me to dis disclose my back status at the legislature. And I'm like, Nope. So, uh, public health sent me this fancy little email saying, Hey, guess what? 
you're clear uh, and you don't need to test for the next 90 days because you just got over COVID. So you're good to go. And the nurse even said, hey, you, you could even board a plane with this without needing yeah. a test. Like that's how your immunity is all the way up. You're good to go. Fabulous. Yeah. yeah. So I'm like, great. So now I know the rules. The rules that the legislature was like, either show me that you've been vaxxed or show negative tests. I'm like, okay, let's test. I tested, came back negative, took a picture, brought it to the guards. They let me in. Following the rules here, right? Yeah. And then he he called and, and you know, the um the sergeant at arms is like, well, are asking if I'm vaccinated. The, the nurse is asking me if everyone's asking me subtly, just tell me if you're vaccinated. And I'm like, no, I'm not disclosing it. Yeah. Anyways, I get there and Ted Arnett, he's like, he calls me out. And I was like, but I was ready. I, should, I was ready. I was like, yeah. you need to go into battle. I'm like, I'm ready for this. Yeah, you, and I'm like, you, you knew it was coming. It's like you're I, getting into a cage to fight. You knew you're okay. getting you're about to get into a fight. 100 percent And I'm like, let's do this, bring it. And so, like, he he you know made his comment. I stood up, I defended myself, sat back down, he called me out twice, and then I got removed. And I was just like staring at him. And I was like, and the protocols you're supposed to bow to the speaker before you left. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm not bowing. No, so good for you. You don't bow to bullies. No. Like, and the worst part was the mainstream media, the, it wasn't that an elected official got kicked out of the legislature and can't do her job. It was unvaccinated MPP. And yeah. I'm like, how do you guys know I'm not vaccinated? Have I ever said anything publicly? I've never. And yeah. that, that was all that everyone cared about. She's unvaccinated. She's not safe. Well, lo and behold, uh, turns out after what, like five weeks, people who are v- fully vaccinated are yeah. not vaccinated anyway, because it's, it's done. So like really everyone should have been testing in that in that chamber not just me well, everybody i mean we have this covid theater like i'll me i knew i was gonna get it like when this when the pandemic happened, i'm like i grapple i do jujitsu i yeah. i like i've gotten way worse things than covid during my life as a martial artist and as a fighter in terms of you know sicknesses yeah. right just from from doing what we do so you know my wife was well aware she's like yeah you're gonna get it at some point <laughs> Right. And I'm like, I get so so I did get it. Right. And it ran through us. I think it was about two or three days. I felt like crap. I felt like, you know, when people are like, what was it like? I'm like, well, it felt like, a, you know, donkey coming, kick me in my back. Like my back was aching. Me too. Yeah. Yeah. I got the back one. And, um, you know, it was that was it. And I have, uh, you know, at the time, my son was probably one, one and a half. Oh. And my daughter was, you know, two and a half, three years old we're not gonna get like we can't isolate like we live in a condo we're like like yeah okay so you know they 100% got it but it was oh. like for them it was like a little teeny like oh they're hot okay it was like a day a day and a half yeah you know, why I'm kind of bringing the story up is like I did my I did the antibody test so the blood test to kind of see my antibodies right nice and because I wasn't convinced with all the COVID theater going on that you know I needed to to do these jabby thingies, right? So I got and I tested through the roof. My antibodies through the roof. So I I call my doctor and I'm like, okay, doctor, and he's like, I'm not a you know an immunologist, but he's like, those are significant levels. And I'm like, and this was about eight months after mm. I had COVID. So he's really like, that long. Yeah, that long. And he's like, those are significant levels. Um, and I'm and I'm like, well what would be the benefit to getting a vaccine now? And he's like, with the levels that your blood showed, there would be no benefit. Right. And he's like, I'm just being honest. And he's like, I know that there's a lot of the pushing out there of this and that. And 
And so I'm like, well, why don't they tell people that? Right? Why don't they tell people, like, if you have a natural infection, you know, you can go do an antibody. If you test low and you want to, you know, maybe go get a shot for your own, you know, peace of mind, sure, go ahead. But it was, and to, to jump through the hoops just to get the blood test, right? Because before it was, you can simply print it out and go. Now you need a doctor requisition to get a blood test for some that I'm paying for. It's not like it's a... <laughs> It's not like it's a blood test that's a part of OHIP and OHIP covers no. it. And you need... okay. I'm paying for this and I have to get a doctor requisition. It doesn't make any sense. No. My, my wife did hers in December, right? And, and it was just pure curiosity. We haven't used these papers for anything. It was just like, fuck it. Let's, let's see what your levels are. Hers are like 16 times mine, right? No so, way. Right? And I know. She's got some super immunity and she doesn't. She doesn't even do jujitsu and all that crap, right? So the COVID theater and, and that that is going on, and then the part to me about that your whole story and that whole situation that, that is very despicable is not one human being had the audacity to say that what you were doing is wrong and what you're doing is what's well, undemocratic. You're kicking out an elected official when she followed the rules. And I guarantee you there were other people in the room that didn't follow the rules. Oh, people were looking at their shoes. Like they were so uncomfortable um, because it it is ridiculous. Like it's just. And I think it's important that we talk about this because those are the kind of people that you guys, we put in parliament. Those are the people who are supposed to be there standing up for people, standing up for other individuals and and the rights of other people. And that's what they did to a coworker. Yeah. And I think that that's really important to point out. Like you, anyone can say whatever mainstream media can point out, whatever they want. What that showed is that there's a very big lack of character in Queens Park, and it can't simply be fixed with you know new uh, voting. It, it has to be fixed with you know these people need to go. Yeah, and there's a lot of like party first, people second type mentality, which is really dangerous, and that's just taken over. I, I think federally too. Like it just, it's taken over and it, cause I talk to like, I'm, I'm chatty as you can tell. <laughs> and like, I talk to NDPs, talk to liberal, talk to the, the green guy, talk to other PCs and like, you know, they'll say they don't agree with this, that, or the other thing, or they, but they just won't vote outside of party lines. And it's so unfortunate because nothing really gets done at that point. Right. Yeah. What ends up happening is you have more members, you get your agenda through it. Like there's no real debate because at the end of the day, you're not changing anyone's mind because you know, these people are going to vote the way the leader wants them to, the leader and as lobbyists want them to, right? So it's yeah. it's really unfortunate. Um, and I was really hoping that, um, I mean, in next elections in four years, like maybe we'll get some seats then, but just to actual, put some actual um, opposition into that chamber, because right now it's it's pretty lackluster. Yeah. Like they they kind of all agree on, on everything. And the one thing I kind of wanted to touch on is like, by this point, people are tired of politics. They're, they're tired of seeing politics. They're tired of being told what to do. They're tired of lockdowns. They're tired of all those kind of things. But knowing that, that Doug Ford still has the uh, power to yeah. institute lockdowns. Um, as a, a party now that you got, you have your foot in the ground, you're established, what can you kind of do to kind of keep people's focus over the next four years on the important issues because right now people are just like, well, everyone's the same. We're all the same. It's going to be another lockdown. Probably they're bringing back the COVID theory. We're in the 30th wave. 
you know, uh, all politicians are liars. How, how do you kind of go about the next four years to change that kind of attitude when people are just so tired of the, the narrative and the ongoing lying that they've been fed? So the commitment that that I've made and that we've made is to stay on top of what's going on in the Ontario legislature. So as I mentioned before, I, I read everything and I, I actually enjoy reading the legislation because it's amazing how much is hidden. Like, and it could just be like a great bill and then a tiny little line where it's like, oh my gosh, this is awful. Yeah. Um, so I'll be continuing to read all of the bills that cross that table and doing what we did for the last uh, two and a half years uh, when, I, when I got kicked out of the PC party, which is uh, broadcasting that. And because again, what's happened for the last forever is that like um, legislation goes through, no one really broadcasts it and it just goes through. And then years later, you're like, well, hey, how did this happen? And how come we don't have you know, gender on my kid's health card anymore. It's, it's, it doesn't exist. Like all these things that happen because no one brought it to light. So we'll be keeping our eyes on them um, and broadcasting it and the call to action. So we did that a, a number of times and we saw we saw change occur, whether that was getting the marriage code of conduct uh, removed from a bill, whether it was getting the PCs to, to remove their support for Bill 67, um, we were able to broadcast that message to our supportive base, and then they share it with their friends who then sometimes end up joining the new blue base as well, which ends up growing our, our base. Yeah. And then, then they engage and they call and they email the MPPs. And uh, at the end of the day, politicians, they want to be liked. And yes. if there's a lot of angry people calling them and emailing them, especially people who have in the past given them any type of financial support, yes. you will see how quickly they will change their minds. And so we just got to keep it up. And yes, it's exhausting, but um, you that's what's expected of us now. And, and we've made that commitment. We've, we've created a political party and and um, we are we are in this to, to for the long run and, and like to get the job done. And so. Yeah, and yeah. and I think one of the things you just said there kind of leads into what I wanted to chat to you to you about was the fi financial part, mm -hmm. because I think after the last three four years, uh, people's eyes are open to how special interest groups, um, uh, to put it lightly, unions, different groups of people, are financially driven to vote for certain parties, support certain parties, to lobby for certain parties, and to basically pay for. The funding of certain parties um which when you break it down pretty much defeats the purpose of the average person voting when special interest groups are involved in how a party situates their politics how they their policies uh you know for example teachers unions that they, they're you know they flip-flop you know if the ndp says they're going to do something well we're going to we're going to fund them um and so it actually detracts the value like of a regular voter's vote when these people get uh, involved in politics and involved with these parties. Now, I know it's a, quite a generic question, but how do we kind of break this barrier down so that this can't happen anymore? So, yeah, I, that, the teachers union one is a really good example because um, you're right, they'll go between the liberals and the NDP. Um, whoever is saying the things that they want to hear or whatever the case is. And we've even seen, like, I think the NDP ran um, uh, a former union leader for the, I don't want to get it wrong. I want to say ETFO, the uh, Elementary Teachers Federation of Ontario. Could be wrong. But anyways, he ran in Brantford Brant. You can see like there's an alignment there, right? Where you have like these unions, which are supposed to supposed to be apolitical, who clearly have a lean to them. Uh, and we see that even with our with our school trustees, unfortunately. And then you know, I'll I 
there are a lot of teachers who we'll stick with the example of teachers that are great and they totally see it for what it is and they're going to vote the way they want to vote. Yeah. And then, then there are the ones who are drinking the Kool-Aid and are just like on a different page than where you and I are on. Yeah. Um, and then they'll say, well, we have family and friends and they'll vote our way. And I just, we can't get distracted by stuff like that. And it's, it's frustrating because it's like, it's scary. You're like, oh, it's a big union and they've got 40,000 members or, or whatever the number is. Yeah. Um, but at the end of the day, it's like that, that really is a distraction. You, you've got to, you've got to look at how your party or how, how your people are, are, are um, doing and, and what the, the policies that they have. And you got to focus on that and spread that message because a lot of people who are like, I'm pro teacher, I'm pro teacher. Like I love my, yeah. my son has great teachers. Um, and it's, it, the issue usually is, is with the union. And so it's, it, again, it, it's coming back down to those conversations. I think people are more open to having these types of conversations now, especially uh, sticking to the teacher topic yeah. with COVID and having to do computer school, as my son called it, yeah. he hated like he hated being it's the, on it's the worst way of learning possible oh, especially uh, for like a kid right the, well and the fact that they even thought it was like a legitimate learning style is laughable that they have zero connect of actually oh. how kids learn or how the community like they, they have zero like, sometimes like uh, i don't want to get off topic but like we look at the stuff that's happened in the last years and the people are telling me about my health <laughs> like like I'm literally a professional athlete. I run a training business on how to, and I have, you know, I'm going to say it's, it's my, again, it's my, this fat shit, Doug Ford telling me about my health before you even want to tell me about my health and protecting my run a lap. Right. So, um, <laughs> sorry, right. Oh, it's true. It's like, don't go outside, put a mask on your face, you know, like, and, gonna... and so then going back to the teacher, the, the teacher thing, when they came up with that that strategy for learning for kids, I'm like, were you ever, did you ever go to school or did you go to private school where they, they shunned you from that? And mm -hmm. I'm referring to Leche because I'm pretty sure he went to private school. He didn't go to regular school. If I have my facts correct. So I went to public school. I know for a hundred percent fact, learning online is stupid. I did it. It didn't work. I didn't learn anything. I don't remember anything. And so the fact that they even went there and said that there was a great idea and I've had uh, a teacher on this, this exact podcast before, and he said that his students were at least eight months behind. Oh, it's so bad. Like I, I saw my little guy, he hated it. And then a lot of parents were home and listening to what the teachers were teaching. And a lot of them were like, well, hang on. What did, what did, what did he just say? Yeah. But you saw what they were learning and what they weren't learning. And I know, and I, I get, I get that the people that I know, I have a, there's a bias to it, right? I get it because, but like a lot of people have pulled their kids from the public system and are either private schooling if they can afford it, or they're doing learning pods or homeschooling. So it's changed a lot. And I'm talking about people who were on the different side before yeah. who have now come to the side being like, oh, maybe homeschooling isn't that bad actually because of everything that they saw. So it's, um. Yeah, it, going back to your question, sorry, I, I'm really bad at like veering off to different okay. directions. So yeah, special interest groups, um, they, they they got big dollars. They you know they can spend. They could try to influence elections with radio ads. Um, sometimes they're effective. Sometimes they're not. Um, I think a lot of people. I think the important question that people want to know is how do we get rid of that? Because I don't think that <laughs> that should be allowed. Like I know that your part, you guys were advocating to get rid of it, right? Um, but 
how do we go about getting rid of that? Because it seems like if we're talking about democracy, having other special groups campaigning for parties is doesn't mean like it's just follow the money. That's it's it's a money driven thing. Yeah, a lot of and uh, one gentleman I spoke to was like, why can't we see what unions, how much unions are spending on political activism and things like that? Because I don't think we can actually see that, right? So yeah, it, I mean that would require legislation. Um, and I know that the unions would totally be up in arms with that, um, but that would require legislation and that would require Doug, cause that's who's in power right now, unfortunately, but the PCs would have to do something. Um, which he's, which he's not going to do. I mean, probably not. No. So basically what we have to keep doing is talking about it, bring it to awareness and, and talking about get, it, yeah. get the people in, in those positions to actually make that change. Right. Yeah. And that's it. And it's about, you know, pen to paper, or I guess we don't do that as much anymore, but like emails and phone calls. And um, just constantly engaging. Like I know a lot of people, and I kept saying this uh, last year, people were getting exhausted with the reopening on Cherry Lack. So like, oh, I've been emailing and they don't respond. And I'm like, okay, they're not responding because it, this is the long game. Like uh, they're like, they want you to get frustrated and feel like no one's listening. So you just stop. Yeah. You don't stop, right? Like it, it's annoying, but just don't stop. Send your email, send it, let them know and tell your friends to send emails. Because it is exhausting. Like we would get them at, at the office too. And we would try to respond. Um, some people are just trolling. So you kind of ignore those ones when they get really like aggressive and disgusting. But um, keep it respectful, especially if it's your MPP. Uh, you, you're entitled to a meeting with him or her and, you know, ask for that meeting and, and find out like why, you know, where they stand on issues like this. That's important. And that's what you pay them to do. Like they make six figures, man. Like yeah. knock on their door, get a yeah. meeting. Six figures. That's a lot of money that is tax, taxpayer funded, which means they got to do that work to earn that and turn that wage. And it's a safe job, right? Like they're in it. It's four years where you can't get fired. Yeah. Like, think about that. Like they can't. The only thing they can do is get kicked out of their party, but they can't get fired. So while everyone else is losing their job because they didn't get vaccinated or, or whatever the case is. They're sitting pretty like yeah. you can't. It's it's. Well, so I, I always say this to people over the last three years uh is politicians didn't miss a paycheck but no they did regular, not regular people did yeah regular people did and we were forced to sit at home and be like okay i gotta take serb in order to which for some people that was nowhere near enough it was nowhere near anything that they were making at their jobs and it was nowhere near enough now i wanted to circle back to where we were talking about education because i know you spoke about the critical race theory in schools yeah. And I, so I'm going to circle back even further to when we talk about that city TV uh, propaganda LGBTQ lady where they RSQ, whatever other. Uh, I'll do that. I keep doing that because I can do that. I don't care. They can't cancel me. I don't care. It reminds me of um, one of the American podcasters and he calls, he says the alphabet people. Yeah, the alphabet people. They yeah. Have, you know, there'll be an XYZ in there next week. Don't worry about it. Um, but even in that, where it had nothing to do with you guys and the new blue party, they spent critici criticizing that, uh, oh, critical race theory isn't in schools. And then lo and behold, I think it was last week or even yeah. this week, um, uh, it was, at the, 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 was it Ontario Teachers? Uh, uh, again, ETFO, yeah. yeah uh, where they're ex trying to teach kids about white privilege, uh -huh. which to like, I'm a brown guy, but I'm married to a white woman. Yeah. And, to me, it's, it's super offensive. It's super disgusting and it's super effective yeah. because I'm raising two kids that when they go to school, they're now going to be taught that their mom is, you know, special and different because she's white. Right. Which, which is disgusting. 
Yes. So right. Um, and uh, so I want I want you to kind of expand on what you were fighting for with that with that bill, so people understand. Yeah. So and this is what frustrates me. So again, my dad's Trinidadian, right? Like I lived in Trinidad. Like I have family members who are black, brown, Chinese. Like we got a big Kalaloo in my family. Yeah. We're all kind of colors. You use Kalaloo. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> and like. So when, and when people talk privilege, like, do you understand my dad came to this country with like nothing yeah. and built himself up with his thick Trini accent and dealt with all kinds of stuff. My mom came here from Portugal, couldn't speak a lick of English. She cleaned bathrooms. Okay. Yeah. That is not privilege. No. Those are two people coming here for a better life who worked their tails off, to give me and my brothers a good life so that I could go to post-secondary education, right? Yeah. So when I hear because of the amount of melanin in my skin that I didn't get enough from my dad's side, that I have white privilege, and that my little guy is very fair, he's got blonde hair, okay? Yeah. And his papa, my dad, is, is Trinidadian. Yeah. But because he looks a certain, certain way, way that he's like that is infuriating to me because it is a it is like a kick in the face to my parents who worked so hard. It, it, and it's like, and when I tell people, I'm like, my parents are immigrants. And like in, in the black side of my family came to Trinidad from Africa on slave boats. Yeah. And like, I've had this conversation with people and they're just like, well, yeah, well, the, the Portuguese, they invaded Goa. So like, you guys are like slaves. And I'm just like, this is the conversations you have with these people. Like they don't even listen to the fact that like you, they're trying to paint like their their um, arguments are in itself racist because they're painting an entire swath of a population with a, one brush based on like, a, you know, the rulers at the time. Yeah. Related to what were those people who invaded Goa? Well, like, I believe there's a term for it, it's called presentism, where you try to punish people from the past or for like crimes of the past in the in the present, which is is really it's like a false narrative because you end up trying to delete history instead of learning from it. Yes. And then what ends up happening is you repeat history because you tried to delete it. Right. Exactly. And I want, and like, like you were saying about your family, I want to take that even further. Cause like my wife's family there, they're white as hell, right? They're as, they're <laughs> as white as her dad, they're Irish and British. Right. But I want to give people a background of like, you know, when, as I got to know them and know their history and when they, as they were, they were in this country, they were broke. Right. My wife's father worked as a taxi cab driver he did all sorts of different odd jobs um to get to a point where he can go to school mm -hmm. and study ministry and then he became a pastor and for those people who don't know pastors don't make a crap model of money oh. uh, it's not a glamorous job in terms of finances but the pathway from him to get there was that of a broke person to you know they have a middle class life now nowhere in that story is their privilege no right not at all and because of their skin color now we're going to say that they have had it you're going to assume that they have had it. <laughs> yeah and then let's, let's just assume that they had, they had the privilege so now we're going down the slippery slope where we're trying to teach this to our kids yes and people are okay with that and like can you tell people how you were fighting against it with the, the CRT bill? Yeah, so the, the bill 67, so Laura May Lindo, uh, she got reelected. She's NDP, Kitchener Center, MPP. And she put through this bill, very simple, like seven pages, really, really simple bill. Um, and basically wanting to redefine racism. And um, she wanted to have it so that way um, 
there is subconscious racism. So, you know, what does that even mean? I would love. So basically they wanted to hire these, these special people to, to tell you what that means. And then basically if your child exhibited subconscious racism or if the teacher did or whatever, then they could be fined because they, they use the term people, people could be fined. So it was like, and I'm just like, what, how, how do you, how do you like put a bill like this and think it's a good idea? And everyone voted in favor of this bill. And I'm thinking, did any of you read the bill or do you just like, you don't read it or you, or you read it and you thought it was hunky dory. Well, basically they were like, oh, racism is bad. Let's vote for the bill, right? Racism is bad. Racism yeah. is horrible. And it still exists today. I'm not you know, saying any that, that it doesn't, but that bill does nothing to counter racism. No. Nothing. In and fact, it actually encourages it because now you've got like kids uh, who, you know, that are, are now saying, well, I'm a victim and, and you're an oppressor. And, um, you know, if you don't do this or say this and like, and, it is just awful. And, you know, people are saying it's not in the curriculum now. It, it is. Yeah. And I got a, a, po- a poem sent to me by a mom in the region. I'm in the Waterloo region. And it was this poem written by a kid. Um, uh, I think he was East Indian and he sent it to all the students. And it was basically like, if you, if you're not an ally, you're an enemy. If you don't admit that you're colonizers, it was just like crazy. And I'm thinking the teacher let him let it happen. out and it wasn't a bad thing. Like the teacher was fine with it. And it's like when I grew up, so I grew up in like the eighties and the nineties, I told you I'm old. And so like (laughs) we learned that skin color doesn't matter. Like you don't look at someone's skin color, right? It's, it's, it's the quality of their character. And now we're teaching our kids that we want to look at skin color. That's what matters first. And I'm going to treat you differently based on your skin color. Like how how does anyone not see that in itself as racism? Exactly. And this very notion that we can like, like you said, racism is out there. Totally. Then the very notion that we can eliminate racism is false logic in and itself. There are shitty people in the world. There There always will be. There always will be. There's going to be people who are racist. There's going to be, but the way to counter them, like I always say, is with love. Showing them that nothing matters in terms of skin color. But by going through with these kind of things, we actually are enforcing that behavior. Mm. that skin color does like you said skin color does matter and when it shouldn't and like when i grew up nobody cared about that no and now it's like why all of a sudden is this an issue that was in schools like when i was in school nobody talked about that if you're white you're white you're black you're black you're brown you're brown we all played we played football we, we, we tackled each other we played pokemon cards whatever the hell we were doing and nobody give a damn. Now all of a sudden we're trying to tell kids that you have to pay attention to the other person's skin color. So bad. It, it, it's and like like going back to that piece, they were like, "Oh, the new blue party is bad because they endorse CRT. It's not in school." Well, it is there. It is there. It's totally there. And it's like the teachers have the flexibility to teach certain, like to teach these things. If it comes up, they can teach it. So there's so much power in the individual teacher. So it's in the curriculum, but maybe you got a great teacher and and they're not going to talk about it maybe you have another one who's got this agenda because some of them are fairly political right and then they've got i mean the stories if you had like three hours the stories i could share with with you is just like it blows my mind well, give, like, me, and it, give me it, one we don't have three hours but give me one we don't have three hours like there was so there was the gender unicorn in guelph oh, some yeah. guy said that that his i think it was his grade two he came home and he was like we learned about a gender unicorn and i was like, what is that? Like that there's different, different genders and, and you can be different things and you could be, and like, 
you know what you want to have those conversations with your kid fill your boots it's your kid yeah i am not comfortable with a stranger whether it's a teacher or not talking to my kid about certain subjects at certain ages like i i've and i've said this to people like you know what those conversations can be had in high school not in elementary school well at and like, grade two their brain has nowhere near any sort of development to understand like no um, my my daughter's like I'm like, she goes to the washroom now because, you know, she's potty trained. She's getting ready to go to kindergarten. We're like, okay, wipe your veg. Like, what? Like, like, like daddy, I wipe my veg. And like, I, I like, or like, I'll be like, what's the difference between you and your brother? I got veg. My brother, uh, she calls him buddy. She's like, buddy's got penis. Right? So, like, that's their basic understanding of it's just biological anatomy. Right? And then to throw in that you can be this, or you can be... Uh, I had you can identify like like I I almost want to just walk around and and troll people and be like yeah I identify as a hippopotamus today so just call me hippopotamus Ashton please right and it's gone to that point though but you hear the, these stories right and you, and you hear the stories and and it's just like it's sad it's really sad and you wonder why people are pulling their kids out of school you wonder why why there's so much divisiveness like the last yeah. two years it seems like it just blew up the last two years right so it's like between you're not wearing a mask and, and, and you, you do wear a mask and um, you're vaccinated. I'm like the whole, all of that. And then you add on now the education piece where it's like, and then that, that bill 67, which is trying to make it sound like racism is just like exploding everywhere in every school system. And yes, it's there, but the system itself is not systemically racist. That's like it is about to say, right? and, and that's what she's trying to paint. And so I was the only one that voted against it. And then we, 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 you know, we put it out there on social media and the emails that the new blue party did and people started to respond uh, to the PC party. And then I asked a question and question period and they finally relented. They're like, we're not going to support the bill, which was a big win. But new, new 43rd uh, legislature started uh, August 8th. It's back. Yeah. And Laura May has already said she's going to retable the bill. Um, and so I'm going to be watching. Yeah. I want to see if the PCs are going to support it because if you if you watch the debates or if you go into the Hansard and you want to go to sleep and you want to read that before bed, the PCs who voted who spoke in favor of her bill, they spoke in favor. Sam Osterhoff, um, who was the PA uh, parliamentary assistant, pardon me for education, he spoke in favor of it. So, like, are these guys conservative or are they not? Are they yeah. reading the bills or are they not? Like, you, just because you, your name is PC Progressive Conservative, like it, it doesn't actually mean anything. Like we've been saying, they're the left the new um provincial wing of the federal liberals like it's, yeah, it's awful one and it's true and it's and the same thing can be said for federally as well uh because we saw that with o'toole where you know he like he said all the right things at the start when he first got in and then as things got closer and closer to election the lefter and lefter he went right yeah um is it the new blue strategy to continue just to stay in your lane and not like I think one of the things that, you know, when I talked to Max, he brought this up and I see it in all parties. So I'm not kind of singling out liberals or, or, or conservatives or whatever. Mm. When you get closer to an election, obviously there's talking points that yeah. are popular. And then what ends up happening is you end up straying from your values that you initially had and you know you go towards those talking points and changing policies because it's what's popular at the time is it the new blue you know gonna follow long suit of that or is it you guys these are your values this is your platform we're sticking to it and there's not going to be any change so i think what you see is what you get and that's what i would tell people all the time like you know where i stand on stuff you know because i've said it 
I've, I've either written it in articles or I've said it in the legislature or I'll say it to your face, but like everything I stand for, I have said it publicly. Yeah. Um, and I'm not going to shy away from it. I, I refuse to apologize to the woke mob. Like I'm, I'm not doing that. Like yeah. I, I, I have principles and morals and values that I stand for and all of our candidates feel the same way. And the party, like we're not, we're not that type. We're not bending to the woke mob. And that's what the CPC, the, the federal conservatives and the provincial conservatives, that's what they do. They just bend with the wind. And people, a lot of people are sick and tired of it because some people are voting for them because they feel like there's no other choice. And I'm here to say there is another choice provincially. Yeah. There is. And we are going to continue to grow. We got over 125,000 votes last election, which was like pretty huge. Um, and we're just going to keep going. And I mean, like, I don't see a change for the PC party to, to really and truly like it's the same people that are running the show all the time, no matter who the leader is, it's the same guys in the back. And one of, before we kind of wrap things up, I, I like to ask a lot of people in your kind of your position about this because it's not talked about. Uh, I come from the health and fitness um, industry, which over the last three years has just been crapped on. Right. Yeah. In terms of just, you know, shutdowns um you know we're the main cause of spreading all that kind of lingo all that kind of crap um but lo and behold it's people like me and people in our industry that are the ones that are keeping people healthy yeah right? we, we always like to talk about healthcare. you know we need to invest in healthcare. well when you go to the hospital that's sick care you go there because you're sick you don't go to the hospital because you're healthy you don't go to the hospital because you feel great. I'm gonna to go to the hospital today. No, like you understand, like it's I'm I'm not even like it's it's sick care, and I'm not putting that sector down. We need them, and we need them to function at their highest, and we need them to be funded and all that jargon. But actual healthcare are the things that what we're doing. We're providing services for people to take care of their health where physiotherapists are helping people get back to health. Like when Jim uh, went through his, his thing um, where, you know, massage therapists help people get rid of all those are healthcare practitioners. Um, now it's not common in anybody's platform because it's not popular. Like I said that to Max too, it's not in their, in their platform either. What does the new blue look to do in terms of helping with that industry and propping it up because I, I, I want to keep going with this because uh, I also played football at an extremely high level. Mm -hmm. Now, when we look at the province of Ontario, we have a gigantic province, tons of talent athletically. When a, and when, a, when you ask a kid, you know, oh, he plays hockey, he plays football or, or whatever sport, you know, what do you want to do? Oh, well, I want to play in the NCAA. Yeah. Right. Their immediate thing that I want to play a college in the US because yeah. in Canada it's not funded. In Ontario, it's not funded. They don't say I want to go play in the OUA for you know the UFT, <laughs> right? They don't say I want to go to McMaster and play football for McMaster. They say I want to go to you know play for UCLA, right? What can you guys do as a party to help, you know, maybe I know budgeting and all that kind of has has its its role, but to reinvest in Ontario, to reinvest in kids amateur programs paid coaches so that we can have a system where you know we're not exporting people out of our country out of our province yeah. we're keeping talent here we're mm -hmm. building talent and in the long run what that adds to is like you have professional sport organizations that want to be here that say let's add teams to canada let's add teams 
to Toronto. Let's add teams to Winnipeg. Let's add teams to all these major hubs. It's yeah. seems it's a lost conversation, but all it takes is a little bit of money and some love from the governments. But they seem to just don't want to do it. What can the new blue? What can our community look for in the new blue to do something about that? So. I have a couple of responses for that. So one, I was the only one that spoke up um, to fight for the gyms to not be closed. Yeah. And I brought um, evidence from the Journal of Sports Medicine, people who were in, who, who were uh, doing 20 minutes of exercise, um, like the bare minimum that they recommend yeah. uh, had better outcomes, uh, less severe COVID got better quicker. So there was no evidence. There's no reason to shut down our gyms um, at all, like at all. And I'm someone I like to work out. I think um, being physically fit is very important. Eating well, getting outside, you know, fresh air, vitamin D, all that stuff is extremely important. So that that part is just to tell you, like, I agree with you. Like, yeah. it's so important because it's prevention. Like, why wait till we get sick? Like, why don't just prevent that and as much as you possibly can, right? Like, the logic thing is if you want to prevent our, our, our hospitals from being overrun, make people more healthy and less yeah. dependent on healthcare. Right. Yes. And the second piece is the education piece. So we don't actually, unless I'm, that's changed. We don't focus enough on that. Like we talk about like, oh, the food pyramid, right? Well, that's been changed, right? I don't know how healthy that is now. Well, it's flawed. Like, it's flawed to 10 degrees from a, from an right. expert, from myself to tell him like, like, it's not real. Like it's not a thing. It's, right? it's not. And like, what are they including crickets on it now? Like we got those cricket factories in yeah. London. Like don't get me started. It's not real protein, but anyway, um, so it's the education piece uh, with in terms of like healthy lifestyle, nutrition. And there's also like a pride piece. And I don't I'm not using pride in like a bad sense. I mean, like being proud of your country, of your province and what we have to offer, the talent we have to offer and how we can make it grow. Because when you get that emotional feeling with something, yeah. that's how you make it grow. So like we can we can fund all these things. Right. That's that, that's something that can be done. But if people still don't have that emotional desire then it's not really going to do anything. Right. So yeah. you, you've got to start and like get kids to understand, like, yeah, we live in a great country. We live in a great province. Uh, there's a lot of talent here and like, let's grow, let's do some homegrown talent yeah. and let's make something of it and show the rest of the world. Like we've got some amazing people here. Uh, so I, I think we do need to start there as well. Can we look forward to the new blue party to have something in their platform to, to help with that and to, to, to do some sort of funding for that. In the we've future? got Four years, man. We can do lots of development in because, four years. Because I think, I think, like when we look at parties and voting and all that kind of stuff, one of the industries that is often looked over is is the fitness and health industry. Yeah, it is. We are a huge voting base, and I think that I, it's without question that um, you know if a party came forward and said they were going to significantly inject money into these programs, which is not like, um, I'm not lobbying for extra money. I'm saying this is money for like, to make things better, to make people healthier, to relieve our healthcare system, to do a, if a party actually came along and said they were doing it, I think it would go a long way to, to for them and for the health and fitness industry. Is that, and is that something we can look forward to? I think that's a really good conversation to have, actually, because like the entire healthcare system needs a complete gutting, in my humble opinion. Yeah. Um, we need them, uh, but we know that it's not functioning at 100%. Like how many emergency rooms have closed in the last week alone? Yeah. Um, but it, again, it comes back to like what you're saying, like the preventative piece and and, and you know, like the gyms and, and the health that that 
that health sector, the true health sector, right? Yeah. How do we get people there? How do we, how do we make that part of it to get people engaged? Cause a lot of people, I mean, I don't know what the gyms are like now, but you know, they're, they're, they're booming. Like, Oh yeah. Know, we're heading into a recession pretty yeah. much, or we're already in one. And it's one of the industries that typically that does get affected by recession that in my opinion, won't get affected this time. I, I really hope you're right. Be, be, well, I know I'm right for, for this one fact is that people missed that communities yeah. that they had and they're not going to give it up and, Good. and it's, it's growing. But at the same time, we lost a lot during those three years, the last three years, we a, lost lot. a lot, a lot of people, a lot of good people. Yeah. Uh, I mean, um, I can get, give many examples from martial arts communities for, you know, but I'm sure it, like in gyms, in terms of fitness, health facilities, you know, people who do massage, physio, all that kind of stuff. We lost a lot of good people. And I think what we need is we need a party that's willing to step up for, for that industry and really speak for Ontarians that uh, are in those industries. And even the mental health aspect to that, I don't know if a lot of people realize that, uh, you know, yes, you go to the gym, you work out for your like cardiovascular and everything. And, but there's a big mental health piece to that as well. And I know tons of people who were, I don't want to use the word depressed because I know that there's, that's an actual clinical um, term. No, they, were, they were depressed. They were depressed. It was bad. Like a lot of people were in really bad shape because they needed to go to the gym to get their endorphins up. They needed to go to feel better about themselves. Or go like, to their Zumba class or whatever the oh, case yeah. it was, right? <laughs> yeah. And like, and these are things like, if you don't go to the gym or if you've never been to a gym, like you don't really get it. Yeah. And there, I think there's a large portion of the population that don't really get it. Um, but it is, it's so valuable. Like it's so much more than going to work out. There is a community, like you said, there's a mental health, health piece to it. It's great. Like if you, you know, whether or not you want to go outside and do your exercise is fine, but like, it is a piece that was missing, um, during, during the three lockdowns that I think made things that much worse. Like how, how could telling people to stay home and not work out make you better? Yeah. I, I don't know. Anyway, uh, I just wanted to say, th anyway, let's wrap this up and uh, I just wanted <laughs> to say th thank you for doing this. And, uh, can you just let everybody know where they can reach out to you, where they can find you guys, where they can, uh, and see all the things that you guys are doing? Yes, absolutely. So newblueontario.com is our website. We are on Telegram, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. I don't think I'm missing any other social media gram things. They're, they're on everything. They're, we're, we're trying to be on everything. We keep it busy. Um, but yeah, sign up for our emails if you want to hear what we're doing. We are doing some, um, we, we just finished some municipal uh, um, webinars, people who want to get involved municipally, whether that's councils or school boards. We did, a, did two of those already to get people engaged. Um, we want to try to get this province back on track and, you know, helping people get involved at the local level is a part of that. Um, but we are not keeping our eye off of the provincial legislature either. So we're keeping busy and, uh, would love to have you guys join. All right. Thank you for doing what you're doing. And, uh, that's it for us. Thank you. And, and, uh, thanks again, Belinda. Thanks Ashton. It was such a pleasure. Thank you so much. No problem.